This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Zara McDermott is a documentary presenter and reality TV host who became known for her appearances on Love Island and Celebrity X Factor. Last year, she presented two powerful documentaries for BBC Three, uncovering rape culture and revenge porn based on her own experiences of cyberbullying and sexual assault. This spring, she's presenting the new BBC Three reality dating show, Love in the Flesh. So, hello Zara, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good, apart from, you know, all the crisis in the world. You can't let that drag you down all the time. But we're going to now, we're going to celebrate the good things in the world. And it's one of the reasons that I started making this podcast is because I was surrounded by people who were losing their loved ones. My constituency had, in the first wave of the pandemic, the second highest death toll. And I was speaking to people who just had never got to say the things they wanted to say about the people that they loved And there's so much to be frightened of in the world that sometimes we forget to sit and celebrate. The reasons why we are frightened is because of the things that we love and losing them and the things that we love need to be focused on. So that's why we sort of started it. But so generally, are you much of a letter writer? I would say I do like writing a lot of words in a card. I do write a lot of letters to my boyfriend. I'll leave him, like, a letter on the bed sometimes. Or sometimes if we've, like, had a bit of an argument about something and I'm very much, like, I'm not very confrontational, I like to just get it squashed and I like to... If I'm feeling a certain way, I like writing it down in a letter because I think it's a bit, like, romanticised and makes it feel a little bit more authentic than just saying it, like, when you've taken the time to write it. So, yeah, I've definitely... I've written a lot of letters to my boyfriend. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess um, I am a, a bit of a letter writer. I'm a bit more of, like, a flower giver. I like giving people flowers as well with a nice card. I like giving people flowers because I love receiving flowers. I mean, that, that feeling when someone sent you and you didn't know it was coming. Oh, God, it's oh, like lovely. magic. It's like actual it magic. Is. <laughs> it is. It is. I absolutely love it. There's no greater feeling than that. Like... 
and you don't know who it's from and you're like oh gosh it's so exciting for valentine's day my boyfriend got me this huge bouquet of roses like literally the size of me and i they're all dead but i can't throw them away you, what you it's need so to nice. do life hack for you turn them upside down yeah so tie them together turn them upside down and hang them somewhere and when you turn them upside down they dry out and then you can keep them forever Okay, I'll do that. Jess life hacks. <laughs> yeah, so I've got um, a rose from the day I was elected. Obviously, I'm a Labour Party politician and this emblem is a rose. And I have a rose that I wore on the day that I was elected and I dried. Oh, amazing. I love that. And I have the roses from my wedding day. They're dried. Just hang them upside down and they'll dry out beautifully. There you go. Oh, lovely. So do you have any letters that you've kept from the past, like letters that you've cherished or cards that you've cherished? I do have one right here, actually. Well, I tell you what this was. The reason why this meant a lot to me was because it was from a teacher. So after I released my first documentary, I got this about a year ago. It's from my old psychology teacher and I absolutely loved her. And she basically, she just wrote me this lovely, lovely card. And it just basically says that, you know, she's really sorry that she didn't know anything about what happened to me and that she thought I was really brave in sharing my story. And she just said, she reassured me that if the same thing was to happen today, she knows that it wouldn't, because what happened to me in school wasn't very nice. I got suspended after my revenge porn incident. And yeah, essentially she said that I want to assure you that this wouldn't be, dealt with in the same way and it was everything like I wanted to hear from someone who was at my school and it was really nice it, it honestly meant that absolute world to me and I've kept it ever since and she probably doesn't even know that I've kept it because she actually gave it she came to my I think she might have came to my house and my dad was there and she yeah she gave it to, to my dad so when you were a teenager you had suffered from an incident of revenge porn when you were yeah. 14 was it I was 14, yeah. You were 14 and your previous... Tell us the story. So a boy in my year basically pressured me to send a photo. I literally... I haven't even kissed a boy at this point. He pressured me to send a photo. He was actually a family friend, so my parents knew him well. And I sent one after he, like, worked on me for a few weeks. And then the next day it was everywhere in school it was emailed to my teachers it was printed off put in the classroom on my form teacher's desk it was sent around an email it was broadcast on bbm it was it throughout all other schools in my county it was everywhere everywhere and in order to deal with this incident i was actually quite badly sanctioned i guess from at school i was very badly punished by the school. I was suspended for a couple of days for my actions. The boy wasn't because he, they thought he was like, innocent and it was my fault for sharing it. And yeah, I, after that point, so I was 14 years old, um, my parents were called in as well to the office and had to see the picture. It honestly was soul-destroying. I mean, and I've dealt with some pretty awful abuses in my life. I've, I've met women with, you know, the, the most harrowing stories to tell. And what you're describing would still be considered to be, like, low-level, like, oh, you know, it's one of those things. But actually, when you think, like, you know, if I close my eyes and imagine me at 14 and that happening to me, it is genuinely harrowing. That 
would be absolutely it would be harrowing if it happened to me now and I'm a big grown up woman with all sorts of resource in the world and it would be absolutely harrowing but for that to happen to you uh, and for you then to be punished yeah you know my parents had no idea how to deal with it so my parents we weren't we wouldn't know the words revenge porn 11 years ago like that wasn't a word that anybody used or knew Exactly. So my my parents were basically basically said to the school, you know, what well, you've probably seen this before. Like, what do we do? And they were like, well, you have to punish her the way that we're punishing her. So, you know, it was honestly, it, it still affects me, and it's it's made me the person I am. So in some ways, I'm like grateful that I went through that, and it's made me the person I am today. But it's also affected me so much. Like I notice things in myself every day, and I'm like, oh, that goes back to that time, like. I really didn't make any true friends and I struggled to make friends for years after that. You know, I was still being bullied about it at 18. I remember I used to go into sick form and but by the way, in sick form, you're like 17, 18 years old. And I used to just go and sit in, we had a, like a learning zone where it was like dead silent. You could go and do your work. And I would just go and sit in there every break I could because I couldn't bear and face being around people because I felt so guilty for being friends with people because I I saw the bullying that other people were on the receiving end of by be, trying to be my friend that I felt so bad even just being friends with someone because I felt like it was awful. Classic violence against women and girls is to isolate a victim, is to, to pick on people who have anything to do with them in order that they then get completely isolated from everybody. It's it's like there's a bloody manual online of how to abuse a woman. It's always the same bloody story. It drives me mad that, like, there must be, like, I don't know, like, seminars... <laughs> and how to do it because everybody does the same bloody thing I know I know but it was a really horrible experience and like I look back and I'm like oh it's just a little girl like I was just at 14 I was just a little girl and I wish my innocence wasn't I guess taken from me that young and so yeah that's I guess that's that was my experience and you know when I say it it doesn't sound like maybe it does sound bad but it like it sounds awful I, Zara I, I, yeah. I mean maybe I'm just saying that because you know I, I'm an angry feminist but um <laughs> but uh, it sounds awful anyone who could actually have the empathy for a 14 year old kid I'm the mother of a 13 year old and a 17 year old and the idea that somebody would do that to them it makes my heart want to stop it sounds awful and then for you to be taught by your school to be taught that if these things happen to you you're at fault that's what sets in for women from a very early age and then that will stick with them for the rest of their bloody lives the worst thing for me was when so I had a policeman come into the school and talk to me and he said that I I could be arrested for creating child pornography he told me that and I I was convinced I was going to prison I was like I'm going to prison I'm someone's gonna I I remember thinking I'm just I know I'm gonna get a knock on the door and I'm going to prison and I believed I believed that so much of course you did because you're a child and that is an authoritative adult yeah I know and it was it was just terrifying so yeah that that's that's the situation that I went through so when I got this letter it made me just like it took so much off of my shoulders and made me feel like someone someone of of authority in that school for the first time had like heard 
had heard me and had heard what I'd gone through and had empathy and that's something that I wanted and I'd been wanting for the last 10 years you know that it meant so much literally so much so well I think that we've come a long way it was still dreadful yeah. you're still it's still bad the system but I like to think that a teacher nowadays would not respond that way and that's because of people like you telling your story so you know it it's it's dreadful that you had to go through that but it's you know at least being able to use your voice about it means that the next teacher might not behave you know or a police officer might not threaten a victim with prison I mean it's pretty bad that is it's like 101 bad 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 response I mean I I hear bad responses from authority every single day uh, to suggest to a child that they were basically a paedophile themselves having been a victim is that's pretty low um so fair play to you for still standing up and (laughs) carrying on i just don't know that i'd ever been able to go back to school again it must have taken so much cuts it did it did and my mum says my mum's biggest regret is not moving me to a different school it's her biggest regret in life is like like, i don't know why i kept you there should have moved you but i just believed that things would get better and i think also i wasn't I wasn't probably honest with her about what was going on. Also, she... So, my mum was also a food tech teacher at the school. Oh, So, mom. it put her in a really, really difficult position um, as a member of staff because she, like, what could she... She was... If she was too, like, vocal, she would have lost her job and she was constantly toying with, with like, losing her job or... You know, so my dad had to deal with a lot and, like, having your dad deal with that is freaking hard. Yeah, that is a lot. That is a lot. So, we're going to cheer it up now. I mean, I feel like it's been... Uh, we keep, I mean, I'm trying to be cheerful, but we keep, like... We're talking about Ukraine and police officers failing people. Let's, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's not your fault. Um, it's not your fault. I'm the person here to tell you it's not your fault. So... I've asked you to think of three people that you would want to send a letter to. So the first one is the person who means the world to you. So who would that be? Oh, my God, 100% my mum, of course. Oh, yeah, I was going to say your Uh, mum. I I felt like she was coming out of that story like a legend. So, yeah. yeah. a legend. Yeah, so my mum's called Karen. My mum is honestly the best person in the whole world. And I know that everyone says that about their mum, but she is literally just everything. She is... The, I guess the mother that I like want to be one day. She is just the most beautiful, genuine, sweet person, most caring person, would do anything for me, would literally move a freaking mountain for me. And do you know what? I have to give this to my dad as well because my dad is exactly the same. Um, and yeah, the reason why I guess like I am who I am and... I really like have to credit them with everything like they have instilled in me so much like self-worth and so much like a really strong work ethic and they yeah they're just the best it's their 60th this year so I'm planning something very exciting I won't say they will listen to this because they are like my biggest fans (laughs) and I'm planning something very incredible for their 60th and I really can't wait (laughs) So my mum's the 14th of June, my dad's the 24th, and my brother's also the 24th of June, so they all have their birthdays within 10 days. Well, my brother and dad were born on the same day. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Or oh, is it? I've never... My, my, one of, my second baby was nearly born on the... Um, 
my husband's birthday and uh, my, it was my husband's 30th birthday and he was just pissed off he couldn't go out <laughs> oh my God, I mean, I've, so I've painted him out to be some horrible he's <laughs> an excellent husband but he was a bit like well I didn't get to, he always says it to me I didn't get to celebrate my 30th birthday I was like it's 14 years ago Tom get over it yeah <laughs> uh, whatever so your mum is she still a teacher or is she... no she is an optician now well she works in an optician's I shouldn't have proper wood optician but she's wonderful she's so wonderful I obviously I had to dedicate this this letter to her because I mean I bet everyone probably does say their mum don't they lots of people do say their mum and they all everybody this is a universal truth everybody says I know everybody says that their mum's the best but my mum actually is no my mum everybody (laughs) says that you know as a mum the idea that my kids would say this about me one day, they definitely wouldn't say it about me today. Um, <laughs> but the, the idea that they would say this about me one day, and because so many people do pick their mums, like it gives me real hope for the future. <laughs> like, you know, do you know, like how lovely it is to hear that you've, like, you know, you don't get, always get things right when you're a parent. And like you said, your mum's biggest regret was not moving you from school. And actually, as a parent, you find yourself in situations where you your heart saying do this thing but then society saying oh you know look it'll be all right it'll blow over like don't don't make a fuss um and it's incredibly hard to pitch it right sometimes and you constantly your mom throughout your life will have felt guilty about various things and thought that she failed so to listen to people saying that their moms are the best is brilliant yeah and she and you know what she she never failed really and also, what, one other thing that I will say, and like, this is a sad thing, but it turns to a happy thing. So my mum actually had breast cancer twice when I was, I think I was like seven, nine. I was quite young, but we, we, we nearly lost her. And I guess I remember having to like process this as a, you know, like a very young child. And she would write little notes for us and leave them under our pillow. Or my, she would get them. She got them all before she went into hospital. And I think she'd buy us little, she had bought us some presents and she would like put them under our pillow. Well, my dad would put them under our pillow. And I remember very, very clearly my dad putting me to bed at night and me like just thinking like, oh God, like and it really hit me that this like could be real. Like this could be all the time. Like my dad could always be putting me to bed. And I think that when you've gone through something like that as a as a little girl, it makes you have such a massive, like I am so family orientated now. Like I am literally, I will, I want to do everything with my mum. Like I want to do absolutely everything with her. I want to take her on the most amazing holidays. I want to, if she wants a freaking pair of Jimmy Choo's, She's getting a pair of Jimmy shoes, right? I don't care how much they are. She deserves it because not that she, you know, she's not very materialistic, but I just love to... Neither am I, but I'd like a pair of Jimmy shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but like she, you know, she deserves everything. Like she really does. And like, I think that when you've gone through that, it really gives you a new kind of... When people say, oh, I've not seen my mum for a couple of weeks, I'm like, how? Like I can't go like four days without seeing my mum. Like I am... Um, like it really puts it into perspective that your parents aren't here forever like they're not and I want to spend every moment I can making as many amazing memories with her as I possibly can so I think yeah that experience as horrible as it was has taught me like you have to be so grateful for the people you have around you and cherish every second because you never know when things can change absolutely and it doesn't matter how old you are when your mum dies it doesn't you know you're still a child you're still your mum as if you were like four years old Exactly. No matter how old you are, you know, she's 
no matter how old I am, she's always going to be my mum and I'm always going to be a little girl. So that's what my my mum always says that. She's like, doesn't matter how old you get, you're always going to be our children. And my, my grandparents are like in their late 80s and they still call my mum and her sister their children. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a, it's a weird thing about the English yeah. language that we maybe need to adapt, but I like it. It's nice. Also, whenever I'm with my brothers, with my dad, my mum died when I was 29, but when I'm with... We behave like children. Like, immediately, like, I'm a member of Parliament. I, I've, I've got, like, a, a nearly 18-year-old son myself. Like, but when I'm with my dad, I'm immediately like, oh, God, or, like, with my yeah. brothers. We just behave. We immediately become, like, 13-year-olds. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but you have to, because you, you almost want that. It's like a nice little bit of escapism. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Like, don't be such an idiot, Luke. Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? You're a grown woman who debates things for a living. Like, why... <laughs> Why have you just been like, yeah, you're a knob? Like, that's not a great argument, Jess. Come up with a better argument. Um, but that's, I, I, I do feel like that, that is the effect your parents have on you. It's nice, I like it. So uh, how would you sign off a letter to your mum, Karen? Lovely Karen. I would say, interestingly, what we just said, which is never feel guilty for anything because it's made me the woman I am today. And I'm so grateful that you are still with us. Oh, yeah, you must be. No, I am. I really, honestly, really am. To go through that at such a young age is a lot. Yeah, it was. And I, th- do you know what? It's, it's just changed my perception of people. Am I, am I, like, I never take anyone for granted, anyone in my life, no matter whether they're my mum or a friend, you know, it just changes, changes your perception of people because people can, people can come and go. Is she completely all right now? She's great now. She is great now. Yeah, she's made a brilliant, incredible recovery. Yeah, she's she's great. So we're so lucky. We really are. The second letter I've asked you to think about is to somebody who's no longer with us. So who would that letter be? I feel like this is what everyone else is going to say as well. <laughs> but, you know, this means a lot to me. So my dad's mum, my nan, she passed away... How many years ago was it now? It probably was about eight years ago. Yeah, maybe about eight years ago. I think I was in sixth form when she passed away. And she, do you know what? She had a very, like, the end of her life was not very nice. She was completely paralysed for, for, like, seven years. She had a stroke and she was in, my auntie and uncle cared for her full time for the last kind of, I think it was seven, eight years of her life. So... There's a lot of things that she didn't get to see and hasn't seen. And I just honestly know that she would just be buzzing with, like, pride. I remember her and I literally used to sit at home together when she used to look after me and watch Strictly and dance together around the living room. And the thought that I am, you know, making TV shows and doing all of this really cool stuff, I think she would be, like over the moon to watch it all and see everything that I'm doing and like so often honestly I probably get this moment like two or three times a week where I'm like god I wish she was here like I want to tell her like I hope she's like watching me and just seeing what I'm doing so yeah probably my nan well definitely my nan I mean what was your nan's name her name was Winnie. Winnie, that is a proper nan's name I had an auntie Winnie that is a proper <laughs> nan's name also, I think that, um, I can't speak for your family, but the generations, as 
it used to be the case is that people got wealthier and people and so when you say she she wouldn't be able to imagine like my nan was born in literally a part of Birmingham that was cleared in the slum clearance yeah. she was a little lady the idea to her that I now am the member of parliament who mm. represents the area that yeah, she I bet made she her she would be like, she wouldn't well, she just wouldn't be able to comprehend it she'd just be like yeah. what this is crazy yeah. um so like you know uh, because of generations of women that went before, like your nan Winnie, she won't have had the opportunities that you had. No, absolutely not. Like she had two jobs. Like she was when my dad was growing up. She had like five children. My dad lost um, his dad when he was quite young, so she was like, I guess, a single mum for a long time. And um, she was honestly though, like I remember her taking me to the pound shop, and I had no concept of what the pound shop was, and she go choose anything you like darling <laughs> and I'd be like oh okay here we go not really it was a pound shop but um yeah she was fantastic she was so she's one of those people that's very brutally honest so she's very much taught me that sometimes you've got to be honest no matter how brutal it is you do have to be honest sometimes and I think I look a lot like her if I showed you a picture you'd probably go oh my god I don't actually have any pictures, annoyingly, but yeah, she, um, she, I look a lot like her. I've got the McDermott look about me. My nan, similarly, was brutal. She used to walk up to people in the street and say, that that top is it's doing you no favours. <laughs> but it's just, I love it. I nan, love it. It's very embarrassing. Stop doing this. She, she would just be like, oh, dad, don't wear that colour again. <laughs> they just don't care. They just, just do it. They don't care. Oh, dear. it's always from a place of kindness, though, actually. There's the sort of brutal honesty from a place of kindness. It is. Yeah, nuns are brilliant, aren't they? And I I really do wish she was still here to see everything that I'm doing because I just... I've got videos of her, we've got family videos of her, and she was going, she's going to be famous one day. She's going to be a model. She's going to be famous one day. She's going to be a model. That girl, she's going to be a model. (laughs) She used to say it all the time. Even when I was like a newborn baby, like how do you know that? I like to think it's because Winnie liked herself quite a lot, and because you yeah. looked like her, she was like, "Yeah, she rated it." <laughs> she got my face. She's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is brilliant. And how dreadful to be paralysed for seven years. I know, I know. And when you think about it, God, how terrible to kind of like what an awful way to to you know finish your life and. Because it it was so out of character for her. She was very, like, you know, liked going out all the time, was very independent, proper independent woman. Like, yeah, she was really family-orientated, but, yeah, very very strong, very independent, very strong-willed, very honest. Like, you can imagine what kind of person she was. So to go from that to that, like that, like just in a blink, must have been mentally very hard for her to process because she was I guess stuck in her own body for for a really long time and my auntie and uncle dedicated their whole lives they converted their house to to care for her full time um we used to go every Sunday and see my nan every Sunday and visit her and you know we watched her over the years deteriorate and deteriorate and yeah it was you know really sad time for the family when we lost her but I feel like she definitely like lives on in in me in many ways yeah that's, I mean, that's what you have to think is that they gave you all those years of inspiration. 100%. 100%. 
Well, Winnie sounds excellent, as well as having Winnie McDermott. That's a great name. Winnie Fred McDermott. Wow, that's I mean, it's, it's like a proper name. name. And her middle name is Florence. I actually only found out that name, weirdly, after she passed away. I didn't know her middle name was Florence, but I'd love to put that name, the name Florence, into one of my children's names as a little, like... I had an Auntie Winnie, she was a great Auntie Winnie, and uh, I also had an Auntie Floss, who was Florence, and we used to oh, say, wow. Flossy, that's the... That, oh, was I the, love Flossy. Flossy is the, short, is the short term of Florence, and those old names are coming back, aren't they? But yeah, Auntie, yeah. Win, Auntie Win and Auntie Floss, uh, yeah, they were like my nans, my grand, my granddad's sisters, and my, my nan absolutely loved them, like, yeah, they were a right hoot. Uh, <laughs> Winnies of the world unite. So, how would you sign off your letter to Nanny Wynn? I would say, I miss you a lot and I really wish that you were still here to probably be jumping around the living room for joy at the, I hope you would think, wonderful things that I'm doing and the changes that I'm trying to make in the world. We'll be back for Zara's final letter after a short break. In the meantime, why not check out another podcast from the team behind yours sincerely. I'm here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Go Love Yourself. It's the show where we're working to love ourselves a little bit more. Yay! I'm Laura. I'm a body confidence and plus size fashion influencer. I was also on the Bake Off. You were? Why didn't you tell anybody? <laughs> and I'm Laura's best friend, Lauren. And we're going to be talking about everything from diet culture to dating, mental health to social media, and generally not caring about what people think. We've got new episodes out every Tuesday. Just search Go Love Yourself in your podcast app. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The last one is the letter you would send to somebody who doesn't know what a big effect they had on your life. So who would that person be? So I was thinking about this and I didn't really know who to choose because there's been so many people who've had an effect on my life. But the one person who I would say has, and probably I don't tell her ever, and 
why would I? Because it's a bit weird. But my, so my best friend, Charlie, she, I met her on my first day when I joined government. I joined Department of Energy and Climate Change as an apprentice. It was my first day. And we went for lunch on like my third day or something. And we've just been best friends ever since. And, you know, after everything that I went through in school and after all of the years of like not having a friend, she very much taught me what it means to be what it means to be loved by a friend like what friendship is what like unconditional love and no judgment in a friendship is and like that is something that has made me I think into the person I am today and made me trust people and made me realize that there are lovely people out there there are amazing people out there there are amazing friends out there and yeah, so she sadly moved to Wales. Um, her boyfriend is a footballer, so she's moved. She like has moved with him to like depending on what club he's at, she will move have to move with him. So does yeah, she, she no longer work at the Department for Energy and Climate Change? No. no Can I just no. say that's the best story I've ever heard about the Department for Energy and Climate Change? Yeah, it, I mean, to be <laughs> government honest, departments are not somewhere I normally expect to people to find like you know really meaningful love and friendships. Having spent some time <laughs> in government departments, they seem like sort of clinical boxes a lot of the time. Absolutely. I mean, it was very much meant to be because there, I felt like there was like us, and then. There was a couple of other apprentices who were like our age and then the next lot of people were 30 plus. So there was no one because we were all like 17, 18. When we, like I met Charlie, she was 17. I was, well, she was she 16? She might have been 16 or 17 and I was 18. Um, and yeah, it was it was very much love at first sight, to be honest. <laughs> we were on the same... Um, love at first sight floor. in the Department for Energy and Climate Change. Would you... Would you <laughs> believe it would you believe it but yeah we we absolutely had some fun we had some fun we used to when we were apprentices quite a funny story we used to be like god we need to find ourselves like a proper like a proper boyfriend like we're sick of all these like boys from our home let's find us a proper boyfriend in the department for energy (laughs) (laughs) we used to go should we do a fifth floor walk by because we used to think, oh, maybe there's a fit guy on the fifth floor. I swear there's a fit guy on the fifth floor. Let's do a walk by. And we used to do... <laughs> I mean, yesterday, just yesterday, I was with a senior civil servant from the foreign office. And uh, I was uh, I remarked that somebody was good looking for Westminster because it's quite a low bar. And then she said, oh, we say that, good looking for the civil service. So, yeah. <laughs> Mind you, James Bond was a civil servant. So then we used to call it our death goggles because it's Department of Energy and Climate Change death goggles so when we were in work we used to think someone was attractive and then we'd all go to the pub in the evening and I'd go it's not fizzy it's just we just have death goggles on that's what we used to call it I mean it's like when you go to a girls school and there's like a, you know basically a, a lab technician who's under the age of 50 and you're all like oh my god it's like he's not just a man under the age of 50 in this environment where there's only women like yeah what is wrong with you it's just yeah we used to get to the pub on a friday and i'd go that guy from the fifth floor he's really not that fit and i'd be like no he's not he's not why did we what why, why did we think that so funny which other government departments did you work in did you work in the dfa the department for education I worked at Bayes, oh and I Bayes, worked yeah at DFE as well 
Yeah. Uh, well, so, there you go. I must say, the bays... Is it still bays? It's, it's, it's still bays, yeah. That building, honestly, was... Have you been in that? Yeah, 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 the big glass one. The DFE one, I didn't mind. The, the big one on Victoria Street. Oh, my God. It's awful. <laughs> it is awful. All government you departments are awful. The worst is... No, the- but there are better ones. Like, when we were in Whitehall Place... There was a little 55 Whitehall place. There was a little, like an extra building. And it was actually like, it had some kind of like old features. And it used to be a, like a, a meeting room for like cabinet something. Yeah. It be the like treasury's nice. Room. The treasury's nice. Like that is looks, it? And the foreign office is nice. Yeah. And, and, and DFE was nice because it's got a nice big like central part. But that Bayes building, honestly, just was just, yeah, not nice. Not a nice building. <laughs> it's not it's not a department I'd ever clamour to be part of <laughs> oh I love this I, I mean I, I don't know Charlie but I can't imagine in my head working in government just you, all these young beautiful people working in the department I know and we used to we used to like try and like be quite fashionable at work and we used to really stand out we used to we used to wear like really nice dresses and everyone really good I was like what are you wearing <laughs> the civil service needs more people like you I'd... I know we tried to like glam it up a bit but yeah I don't know <laughs> it didn't, didn't last very long I gave up on that after like three months I was like no one else is like that glam here I guess so we'll just we'll just leave it. I remember but, yeah, when you were on when you were on Love Island, it was like a big news story amongst in Whitehall that you had been a civil servant. Like that went round on like the MPs WhatsApp groups. They're like, oh my god, she used to work at the Department for Education. But do you know what was so bad? So when I did my Love Island entrance interview, I said I my my job description is not as simple as because they were saying you're a government advisor. And I said, but I'm, I'm not a government advisor. I'm a government policy advisor. And they were like, yeah, but it's too... Com-. I said, I'm a policy advisor, like a... Um, what was I doing at the time? Educational policy advisor. And they are like, it's too long to say government advisor. And I was like, I don't know, because I didn't have my phone, so I couldn't like, look it up or anything. I was like, I don't know if, like... I don't want to get in trouble for, like, saying that. And I was only 21, so I didn't know what, like, a, a government advisor was. It's just freaking spad. I literally went on and told everybody that I was a special advisor for the government at 21 and everyone was like everyone when I came out everyone was like why did you say you're a government advisor I was like because they said to like just say it to condense it down because it's in a 30 second VT like it needs to be short and so I was like okay like I guess it should be fine then like whatever and everyone was like (laughs) why did you do that did you ever think of going back to the Department for Education afterwards. I, I did. I I only when I went in, I only took it as like a career break, like a year's career break, because you don't know. Do you, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Also, I I actually really liked my job. I was really into my job. I really enjoyed it. I just got a promotion. I was really happy. So when I got approached, I had turned it down. I think once or twice because I just said I don't. Yeah, a civil service job is a good, secure job for for life, really. Well, it is, and I was enjoying it and had a lot of flexibility. I got on my team really well. So for me, I was a bit like, 
would I be leaving that and jeopardise all of that for something that's really very uncertain? So I was very much, and I'm very one of those people that plays it safe quite a lot. I'm not one to take massive risks. So I was, yeah, I wasn't 100% sure whether it was right for me. But then, yeah, I ended up doing it. And I was quite, that's so funny how it went all around you. And me yeah, was. yeah, it was like that. Has anyone ever met this woman? She's, because we, I think we probably thought you were a she's spurt. Plainly, she's a special advisor at 21. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've met some special advisors who act like they're 21. Um, <laughs> and... and Frankly, I think you'd be better than lots that I've met. <laughs> Is Charlie, she's not a civil servant anymore either. Charlie's not a civil servant anymore. Charlie went on to work. She worked for the RSPCA for a bit uh, in the head office. And then, yeah, she actually like does some work for me now. Ah, but you don't yeah. ever tell her how much she taught you what it was like to well, have a friend. I do tell her how special she is. I tell her how much I love her all the time. But I probably... When I was thinking about who I'd write my letter to, I was thinking, who would I choose? And then I was like, oh, I think it would be Charlie. And then it got me thinking about all of these things that she has taught me. Charlie is, honestly, if you met her, you'd love her. She's one of the most chilled out people in the whole world. Like, literally, her car could break down in the middle of nowhere and she'd go, oh, a bit annoying, isn't it? Like, she nothing will phase her like she is it's a skill and it's incredible that nothing will ever phase her like she never gets stressed she's the most relaxed person I've ever met and I was thinking god she's really taught me because I can get quite irate sometimes about things I'm quite like highly strung a bit when it comes to like work and stuff she just taught me just chill just chill and sometimes something stressful will happen like, I'll drop something, smash a glass on the floor. My inner Zara want to go, ah, oh, fuck. But actually, I go, no, it's fine. Just sweep it up. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just sweep it up. It's like my husband's like that. He's never once lost a night's sleep to worry. And, uh, like, I'll be like, oh, but it's raining. And he's like, you know, so we'll get wet. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's what she's like. No, we won't get wet. It'll be awful. We'll have a dreadful day. And he's just like that. It's just water. Yeah, that's what she's like. And I and I love you, but you need people like that in your life. Especially because, if you're a bit tense. <laughs> you, yeah, you definitely need. put things into perspective for you. Just sweep it up. That's a, that's a great metaphor for life. Oh, just, just sweep it up. Yeah, I love it. So, yeah, she's... She, that's why I would write the letter to her because she's taught me so much about friendship and like someone who just never judges you, someone who is always there for you no matter what. Like you could have done the worst thing ever. You could have done something really bad. Not that I have, but I could. And I know I could do something really bad and she would still be there. Like she would literally drop everything to be there. Like if I called her now and I said I was in trouble, she would be driving from Wales straight away to save me and you need people like that in your life because I have many friends I guess friends that wouldn't so yeah so how would you sign off your letter to Charlie I would sign it off by saying I am so grateful I met you in the civil service thanks to the civil service for bringing us together (laughs) and I'm sorry I don't tell you enough how much of an amazing impact you've had on my life and I hope we can be friends until we're old and grey and in a care home 
<laughs> me and my friends have got a plan to like basically just get get into a care home together we're like looking forward really? to it really looking think, forward to the care home years yeah i think it would be quite jokes being in a care home with your best friend oh yeah it? totally like all of you together <laughs> yeah you could go for a walk on the fifth floor see if there's any talent <laughs> Oh, I can't believe I just told you that. No, if that is the best story I've ever heard about the civil service. If she listens to this, she's going to be like, oh my God, Zara, you've just told all our secrets. Every time I'm in those buildings now, I'll, I will try and... I'm going to scout for talent and let you know yeah. if I see any. Just to let you know, there was never any. <laughs> it was always... A, yeah, it was, it was always a very unfulfilled voyage. Um, <laughs> Well, Sarah, it has been a total pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Oh, it's been totally fun. And it is such a pleasure to hear about Karen, Winnie and Charlie and all of the other brilliant people in your life. Uh, So thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.